Glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for every day that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for making us aware that there's only ever one day guaranteed to a Christian. And it's called today. Help us to make the most of today. To do everything that you have called us to do. To be everything that you have called us to be. To spend all the grace that you have given us today. Today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for growing us in your word. and our relationship with you, Lord. Thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ. This is in his name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we have been talking about the mind, amen, to a large degree. All those scriptures that Don covered, that that Greg Laurie had written, which is, he's a great, he has a great evangelical heart. I I love Greg Laurie. I, I haven't met him, but I would like to, but. All those scriptures I, I stand on, you know. I, every, as every, everyone you went through, I have memories of those. I have them on my walls. I have them underlined and circled. and So helpful. It's a blessing. Because the battlefield is in the mind. That's the, that's the arena where Satan comes to try and build strongholds and fortresses in the minds of God's children and of the world. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against Satan and his demonic kingdom. We've talked in the recent weeks how it's an organized kingdom, not trying to give them any glory or credit, but it is It is not just a, a bunch of little ghosts running around trying to rattle chains and hinder people. It's an organized, structured kingdom that is at war in opposition to God's army and God's people. And learning to be a Christian soldier, as it were, is imperative to a successful Christian life. Not only for you and yours and everything attached to you, but for you to be helped, healed everywhere. You hurt, empowered through the word of God and the promises of God and your inheritance and salvation in Christ. And to come to an understanding and a strength through the love of Christ and God for you. And to be prospered in every area of your life. That's first. That's, that's, that's necessary For you to become the great Christian soldier to go and offer that help to others that you have received from God. You see? Unfortunately, so many never get past the, the milk stages. We've been talking about the armor of God. The full armor of God. This is not a dress rehearsal, folks. It is but once for man to live and die, and then the judgment. Yesterday really did end last night, and you don't get it back. Now God can take more 
can take and do more in the in the time that you have left than you did in all the time prior in your own strength. Amen. I tell people that all the time. But God wants to use you as much or more than you want to be used. So your prayer should be, Lord, make me useful. Yeah. Instead of, Lord, I'm such a mess, just best thing you can do for people you love, just keep me away from them. That was my prayer at one time. That's how I thought of myself. That's why I ran away from everything that I should have been tending to, you see. I thought it was best for them. Believe it or not. That's how down on me I was. Never would have known it by meeting me. I would have put on a good show. But that's how a lot of the world is, you see. That's why they sabotage every effort God makes in their life to bless them. To put good things in their life. And then they sit on the bar stool or wherever. Nothing against anybody. Talking about, ah, I've already lived my life. I've already made my bed. When I get to hell, we're going to have a party, me and old so-and-so. You know, nonsense. This week was very emotional and tiring. You know, it, it, when you want to see what you, what's in your character, what you're made of, just let, let, let you get good and tired. Let's just get to the end of you, you know, just like where you just can't, you won't say it, hopefully, knowing better if you're a Christian, but you just want to say, I can't go much further, Lord. (laughs) But you don't. You say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Told my cousins this week, I said I wasn't going to do any more funerals for relatives. And then the Lord just looked at me and said, you said, huh? I said, well, okay then. Sorry. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, Lord. Amen. You know, that's the safest place to be, right in the will of God, though. You might think you know better, but it's best to be right where He wants you to be, when He wants you to be there. So, doing all that this week, doing my full-time job, Jobs. (laughs) Jobs. <laughs> the jobs that I are necessary to do, that God uses to provide for me and my family. And then my real calling was full time this week. And so as but I I've, and these drives I had to make, which were took a little time on the road this week, I had a lot of time to reflect and in my mind was just going around and around and I'm seeing it, you know, I just, we had gone to the one-year-old granddaughter's birthday. We've got the four-month-old grandson and that's wonderful and we've got the, her, the four-year-old granddaughter's birthday was the week before that and it's so awesome and, and my uncle at 85 it was passing and we knew that and I'm talking to folks and dealing with things that and and reflecting on all of that, and then he went in the night, and uh, and so I'm preparing for th- that. And as I leave the viewing on uh, Thursday night, 
uh, down uh, wherever we were, Columbus, or yeah, the next day was Rock Island. Uh, anyway, uh, I have a, a message from uh, a, a friend I've had for a decade, and uh, he's he's maybe 70 uh, in that area, he and his wife, and she's reaching out to me. I've been praying for this man to come to know the Lord for a decade. As I, anyone who meets me and you're around me long, I'm praying lots of things for you. I see a lot of things about you that God shows me once he realized and he had to work with me for a while to get me to the place where he could trust me with information about the people he loves. Because when he shows you something, it's not to be critical or judgmental, it's to pray, it's to help, it's to help to deliver them, to pray for them, to get rid of these fortresses and strongholds that have been built up by the enemy of their souls. The demonic oppression. There's a lot of conversation within the body of Christ uh, about demonic activity. Let me make it simple for you. Like I always try to do. I don't... I, I Maybe sometimes, and, and uh, I, I, I am that person, but I hope not. But I, I, I saw a message about, about ministers, and it, and uh, anyway, this pastor had said, let, let us not be like this instructor. And you know at the bottom of these uh, exam sheets, at the end of uh, maybe a college course or whatever, it says, what's the, what's the one thing that you would say the most or whatever about this this class or whatever. I said, this person had written in something to the effect, if I only had one hour to live in my life, I would want it to be this this lecture because it seemed like an eternity. (laughs) (laughs) So... Didn't didn't show, didn't show. But this friend and his wife reached out to me. Uh, He's been struggling for a few years now with different forms of cancer and operations. He had heart surgery, not unlike me. uh, And um, then he had some things in his head and... uh, and he's been undergoing all sorts of treatments and radiation and so forth and so on. And he has talked to me from time to time. And it's uh, the same thing that uh, I've seen all over the place and uh, recognize in people. It's that thing about, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not here to, to pretend. I'm not a... I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not a religious person. And I know. It. In other words, I'm bad and I'm probably going to hell. I get that. But for some reason, I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> okay? God knows why He puts you on my heart. And I do too. But it takes a while to get people there sometimes. This is the nothing else has worked. Uh, he's got to have a, he had to have a major surgery. On Friday, it was going to be about a 12-hour surgery. He's not in the best condition already, so you know what that means. You know what the recommendations, the advice about being under that long and all that sort of thing. Plus the extreme sensitivity of this. He had to take off this whole side of the 
they had one ear, the face, and so forth to get in there to do what they had to do and so forth. So terrible. He was being very brave, but uh, long story short, I'm leaving the the services, knowing I have to get home, get right back up there to do the graveside service in the morning. And here they are, and they want me to call when I can, and would I be willing tonight if I had time to talk to them and maybe pray with them. And so, long story short, I was all the way home. I talked to them. I visited with both of them. I talked about a lot of things, but, uh, you know, the main thing when people that don't know the Lord uh, know that they need a minister, they really just want you to pray to fix that problem, you see? And uh, it's not uncommon for someone to come to you and say, would you fix my marriage? Would you fix, I just need a job. Would you pray for that? Would you pray? Well, are you saved? Uh, Well, I don't think so. Well, man, you know, we're talking about an eternal destiny. You know, eternity is a lot longer than the flicker we're here. (laughs) Long story short, I was able to lead him and his wife in the prayer of salvation they received the Lord and I said now we can switch gears because now you're entitled to some things now you have an inheritance now you are adopted children of God with the same rights and privileges of the natural born child himself and now we're going to get you healed we're going to get you through this And so the next day I was excited, even in the midst of doing a funeral service and all the things that go along with that, because it's a relative that you're very close to and having to do it myself. (laughs) I was looking forward to the phone call. And it was late into the evening before I was able to get a response because the surgery went for it. I think he got dropped off at the hospital at 5 a.m., And the surgery didn't end until into the evening, the night. It was dark outside when I finally got the good news that he had done well and was healing up. (laughs) Folks, I'm just telling you this because I'm just trying to paint a broad picture. You know, all these other things, all these things happening at once. And your life goes on. The one that you thought you already had too much on your plate. The one you thought, I can't do any more because there's no more time in the day. Well, that's not true because God created time. He's not controlled by it, you see. And if we'll give Him the tithe of our day... He'll return seed to the sower and He's a God of multiplication. I can't tell you that because it's almost daily that I say, Lord, redeem the time when I find myself behind the eight ball. And I told you that I seldom look at my clock and I run appointments where I have times to be with people all over the city and, and everywhere all the time. And I don't, I don't, I just know when it's time to leave to head that way. And sometimes I do get a little behind. Sometimes a, what is supposed to be a 20-minute signing turns into another two-hour meeting, you see. And just like 
the next customer, I'm going to give them my full attention and the benefit of that until I have to leave. And so sometimes I'm already behind before I even start heading their way, and it's nobody's fault. But God fixes. He smooths it all out. He makes the crooked places straight. He redeems the time. And He will do more with the little time that we have than the whole day if we do it in our own strength, in our own way. We go spend a little time with Him first and give that day to Him and the plans that we have made to Him and ask for His plan and His direction and His guidance and His supernatural intervention throughout that day. You'll find that at the end of the day, when it gets quiet and you sense His presence and you thinking of how to start the conversation, you just have to say, wow, Lord, you did it again. You're so awesome. Thank you. We have to join in the fight. Being a Christian automatically enrolls you in the army of God, you see. We have no fear of death. You must remember that. We do not grieve as the rest of the world grieves. Who have no hope. We have to come to an awareness. An understanding of the truth that this is not even our home. We have a wonderful home. Waiting for us. Thousands upon thousands of those who've gone before to greet us and meet us and to celebrate with us. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Amen. And if you live your life thinking that way, you'll live it differently. Galatians 1.4 is a scripture that I love and it, it is just so powerful if you'll wrap your mind around it. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 in the opening passage of scripture verse 4 he starts off in verse 3 grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ verse 4 who gave himself Jesus who Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age you see he has made atonement Not only for our eternal destiny and salvation, but to deliver us out of this present evil age. Even while we're in the midst of it, you see. This is something that the Holy Spirit has to give you revelation. The light bulb has to go on. Even though we live in this darkness, we're of the light, you see. We are the light in a dark world. We are the salt that gives it flavor. 
Paul told us how to live victoriously in this present evil age. In spite of satanic opposition, which will not stop while we're here. It doesn't mean that everything just bad stops happening when we come to know the Lord, does it? Matter of fact, it pisses him off a little bit. Excuse my French. The Lord's working with me. He turns up the heat a little bit. Because he's if he if he knows you hadn't been discipled too much yet in the word, that he might be able to convince you if some bad things happened that it was God's fault and get you mad at God again and get you back into bed with him. You see. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff he's not responsible for doing. And so people run into the arms of the enemy of their souls who's really to blame. But the way to live victoriously in this present evil age is we've been talking about the armor of God. So it's through God's ability, not our own. Thank you, Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. Sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. All these things I say because it's the, it's the way to really be strong. Not to carry the heavy load, but to put it on His shoulders. He wants the burden. He's already carried the burden. He's already won the victory. He wants to carry your troubles. He's interceding for you now. He's, which means you're throwing up prayers. And if everything's a type and shadow from the Old Testament. And Lord, let me get to the message today if it please you. But right now, the Old Testament, everything in the temple was all type and shadows. Of the reality of what's going on in heaven, you see. So Jesus is the great high priest. And what did the high priest? They would go to the high priest and they would tell him all their complaints and self-pity. And prayer requests. And the priest would dismiss all that and then take the final real condensed prayer that meant something out of all the garbage. And then he would send up that offering. You see that prayer offering. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's, see, he's sitting there going, he's, he's not rolling his eyes. That's me. <laughs> but if, 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 he were, if he were more like me instead of me wanting to be more like him, he'd roll his eyes at us a lot more. But he's just like throwing out all the garbage and then he's passing on the good stuff to the Lord, you see? He's our intercessor. The armor of God. And you put the full armor of God. So you got a lot of Christian babies running around in there. I, can say, I was trying to think of this. And then, y'all remember the underoos, those little kids' underwear? I can see a kid with a the cape from Mattel, you know, and the underoos running around with the, the, the soldier's helmet on, the helmet of salvation, you know. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And that's the only piece of the armor they ever put on. And that's, hey, that's, if I see you in heaven and 
<laughs> and all I saw you here was running around in your undies with your helmet on. Hey, that's okay. I'm glad you're there. I, I've, I've ministered to a lot of folks that that's, that's about all they got out of this life as far as the benefits from their salvation. But I know they're going to be with the Lord and thank God for that. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to know, let you know that you've enlisted. You're not going to be dishonorably discharged. But you might be, you might be in the mess hall peeling potatoes for your whole career if you don't, if you don't grow a little bit. I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to people that are going to listen to this online. Y'all are strong in the Lord. But you see, besides the helmet of salvation, there's the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. This is in Ephesians chapter 6, by the way. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, yes, and the sword of the Spirit and prayer. And we've talked about a couple of these. We were talking about how Paul was using descriptive language from the, the strongest, greatest army that had ever been in the world at the time, and that was the Roman legions. And so he used pieces of their armor because they were the most well-equipped and prepared uh, soldier on the planet at the time. They were disciplined, and they had... They wore dresses back then, so no, I mean, like a tunic or something, loose-fitting garment. And so they needed a belt, first of all. First things first, they needed a belt, or a girdle, they call it in the King James, to, to cinch up the loose folds and the flapping garments, otherwise they'd get in the way of him being able to use all the rest of the equipment, you see? So they had to... Fasten that down. I used to teach martial arts and we had a, a gi that we wore and it was similar. It had some flaps and stuff and a lot of us didn't like that because the arms were always a little loose but you could use that to your advantage as well. But we put a belt around there and now they just give them away as you know you show up just like you get a first place trophy. Back then we had to work for them. We ran at night and drug our feet on the concrete to make calluses on our feet and we... You know, the first uh, month or two that you were at the at the dojo, if you they just made you kick a pole or something like that to see if you really wanted to stick it out. And talking about the color of your belt, you put on a white belt, and when it finally turned black from dirt, you <laughs> no, we had belts back then. But we learned from people who trained and, and were grow, grew up in Okinawa and places like that. And they would used to go out in the morning before school and train in, in the giant 10, 12 foot waves crashing in on the ocean. You know, that's how they did their warm up exercises in waves hitting them and crashing them and make them strong and teach them balance and things like that. But we had, they had the belt of truth. It was primary. They, and we talked about what this meant to the Christian last week. And it, it's the fact that, yes, of course, Jesus is the truth. And if you're putting on Jesus, then truth and integrity should just be a great part of the Christian life. Matter of fact, it's foundational. And I heard a minister say one time to a Christian, if you're, if you're a Christian who is, you know, 
I just use an example of a, of a man that I know and I, I love him. He's an evangelist. He's at heart and he still is. It's written in heaven. You can't undo that. But what you can do is lose your effectiveness in the world. Just like that great minister that was in Louisiana. Uh, used to play the piano. He had the largest. Of, uh, we don't have to say his name. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But he had the largest Christian audience in the world. And people just loved and adored him. And then he was caught in sin. And you know now he's, you, know, you can find him if you look somewhere. And he's selling Bibles. and has it. God never took his anointing away. God never took his calling away. God doesn't hate him for that. But he lost the trust of the people, you see. God didn't do that. The devil did. I have a friend that his pastor here at a large church in town says, you know, he brought, I can personally affirm that he brought over 4,000 people to this church. Everywhere he goes, he talks about the Lord at a gas station, in his work, day to day. He said he brought over 4,000 people to this church over the years and he offended every one of them with his life and drove them away. You can do more damage by a lack of integrity and honesty, you see. So it's imperative. It's sort of foundational. First things first. Put, get that belt. Get girded up. Get everything ready so you can use the other stuff. Then the breastplate of righteousness we talked about protects the heart. We have to guard our heart. From out of it come every, all the issues of life come from our heart. We have to protect from bitterness and unforgiveness and depression and all the other things that the enemy tries to come at our heart. The matters of the heart are so imperative in the life of a Christian. You see churches all over the country where there's, there's the, the, the long aisle up to the podium and, and you know separates the, the, the row of pews and this. There's a there's a single there's one family that uh, half of them sit here and half of them sit there and they they try not to ever even make eye contact because there's been an offense at some point along the years. No, 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 no. Jesus said, "This is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. You love one for another." That's why I love this church. The shoes. The Roman soldier had a sandal that was thick and heavy, and it was laced up with uh, leather, uh, at least halfway up the calf. It was it was secure and it was strong, and it was the best shoe probably available to make them ready and well equipped to to make long, forced marches in in a hurry. You see. To be ready to go. And that's what it says. Be, be shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52, 7 says, Beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news or come to share the gospel. You see? We have to have our shoes on. You know, soldiers, Mr. Randy, you can attest sometimes like when you're out in the field or whatever or when you were... And I don't know what it would be like to be in, in theater or be in a war zone, but I can assure you because I know that even when they're out just practicing in the field, they go out, out in what they called, my brother called out in the field, like at Fort Hood, they'd go out for two weeks and just be camping out basically and practicing maneuvers and all that. Sometimes you were told to sleep with your boots on. 
Why? If the enemy attacked or you had to get up and something was going down quickly and you had to look for your boots and lace them up and all that stuff, it could take you valuable minutes. It could cost you your life and the lives of others. They had to be ready. The same with us. We have to be ready with the gospel of peace. We may not be a preacher, but we have a testimony. There's something that when we... When we talk about certain things, when we talk about, when we sing about certain things, your heart just rises and soars. That's the Spirit of God in you. You are a born again child of God and there's something that brought you to that point. God has done wonderful things in your life, little things, big things. And if you're willing to share that with others, that's the best sermon they could ever hear in their lives. Somebody, somewhere. You don't have to go to cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> the truth is just the truth. Now, I mean, there's there's good and there's bad. And sometimes it's like sending off, you know, people come and say, well, I want to send my kid off to this college. Really? So you want to... You want to make you and your wife broke. Spend everything you've spent your life working to save to to go and undo whatever faith that you've instilled in this child for the first 18 years of their life. Because that's their only mission. To make sure if they get there with any faith, they don't leave with it. My wife and I have witnessed this from friends who... One that my wife loves dearly and, and, and still, I guess, talks to her from time to time. They don't work together anymore. But she had a beautiful daughter, still does, and uh, was very involved with them in the church and everything like that. But just threw a fit, insisted, very spoiled, just like most of our children these days. We love them. And we're blessed and we want them to have more than we did and and so forth and so on. But don't you know that... You have, you are responsible to bring that child up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And not only that, but discipline is imperative. God says, if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. If you don't teach a child to be obedient to their parents, at some point you have to sit them down and you have to explain to them, now listen, you're going to continue to be in trouble until you learn to be obedient to your father and your mother's voice. Because at some point, your heavenly father is going to be speaking to you. And you're going to have to start learning to hear his voice. And if you won't obey your earthly parents, you will not obey him either. And we can't allow that. We love you too much. But this, this girl, she insisted to go out of state for starters. And if you go out of state, it costs a whole lot more. There's provision made for people to go in-state colleges. It costs less. If you go out of state, unless you've been given a full-blown ride, and this girl was not. So they had to pay through the nose to get her to this place in Colorado that she wanted to go. Some liberal arts thing or whatever it was that she was studying. But by the... I mean, it wasn't long. Maybe after the first semester, she was already had run up 
huge amounts of debt. She had cut her long, beautiful hair off. She was getting tattoos. She was uh, dating some boy, and they were going to, oh, we're still going to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it was is she was going to, they were meeting at some coffee shop or something, but this guy had been going in here. They're, 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 it's a spiritual person now, you know. Or, you know, and and wasn't long before she was saying, oh, there's no real hell, and, you know, yeah. Oh, I still love Jesus. It's not that Jesus. He's not talking about that Jesus, but he still talks about Jesus. You know, things like that. This is this universalism that they embrace now. And it says everything's okay. No matter what. It's a trick. It's a denomination of de- the devil. <laughs> Just like so many. But we have to be ready with the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Jesus said, he sent his disciples out. He said, go to a town and preach. He said, when you go into a house, he said, you know, pray. And he said, give, give them your peace. Let your peace rest there if, if it's deserving. If not, let it come back to you. You know, I was at that funeral service, that graveside, and the people, there was a, a lady and a man there uh, from the funeral home. And they were just sort of, you know, there to help and to do whatever at the end, you know, and all that. And to set up and so forth. And they were talking to me about what you need and so forth. And we'd been, I'd been visiting with them for a few minutes, and the, and the woman was just doing that thing that you get as a as a Christian <laughs> you get a lot she was just like there's just so much there's just so there's so, so much peace with you and I, I wasn't trying to act religious <laughs> but I, I know what she's talking about it's just God. And, and it's wonderful when people can sense God in you, you know. And we need to remember to always give Him that glory. But the point is, the gospel is the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news. I know Christians who, who walk around sounding like an Old Testament prophet. Thus saith the Lord. Throwing firebolts at everyone, you see. I guess they didn't read the part where Jesus rebuked his disciples for wanting to do the same. <laughs> he rebuked them, said, You don't know what spirit you're of. In other words, all that's over with now. Spending time in the presence of the Lord, praying, studying the Word, it will bring peace to you, keeping your mind stayed on the Lord, Isaiah 26, 3 that Don referred to earlier, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord because they trust me. Put your trust in the Lord and you will have peace to offer up. You see, if you don't have it, you can't give away what you don't have. You need to be ready. Peter says, always be prepared to offer up an answer for those who ask you about your salvation. You don't have to know all the word. You don't have to know chapter and verse and all that stuff. I get it. It can be intimidating. Don't let it be. Just be ready to talk about the Lord. Not to them, 
here's, here's what intimidates people most. Feeling like a hypocrite by telling people what they need to do or how they need Jesus. You don't have to do that. Tell them what He did for you. Make them jealous for that. If you don't think you have anything to make them jealous about in regard to what He's done for your life, then re-examine your, your own Christian walk. But you got to get to that place. Amen. The shield of faith. There were two kinds of shields that the Roman soldier was familiar with. One was sort of round like a disc. It's about two feet or, or whatever. Like a flat basket. It's not that kind. <laughs> there was another one. A larger one. The rectangular shaped one. And the word they used for that shield is the same word in the Greek that they used for a door. And it was like a door. And when they all put those together and they were side by side, there was not a single weapon. And the most advanced weaponry of the day was a fiery arrow that they had wrapped linen and some sort of chemical or whatever around to make it burn. And they would shoot those firing arrows. And that's what they're referred to here. But nothing... Nothing of that day could penetrate those shields once they had them and it covered. When they had all this armor on and they were covered by the shield, nothing could penetrate, nothing could touch that soldier. And he was covered from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. The same with the Christian. Faith is like a door, a shield that protects us from all the enemy's flaming arrows. And He's coming at you day and night. He wants you dead. His main job was to keep you from ever confessing Jesus as Lord. But once you did that, now He switched gears and He just wants to make you ineffective in any of the, any service of, to the Lord or to the kingdom of God. And He still wants you back and He wants you dead. <laughs> but don't worry. The Lord will never leave you, never forsake you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to triumph. Victory is always available. Always. In every area of your life. Everything. Physically. Emotionally, financially, relationally. I tell people things and they just... Because they, they start looking around. They look at the, the polls. <laughs> they look at the statistics. When I say, with God, you have a 100% success rate with marriage. And they go... If they don't say it, they're thinking it. This guy didn't know what he's talking about. Obviously, he hasn't seen the numbers. The divorce rate within the church is 50% or so, just like it is in the world. So, you're talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. If we do it His way. You see, there's, there's three persons in every marriage. The husband, the wife, 
and God. And if and it's like a pyramid or a triangle, like God is at the head and here's the husband and the wife. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. You see that? I, have a, I know a minister, his wife was kept getting sick not too long ago. They were making trips to the emergency room, to the doctor, this and that. And it wasn't COVID, it was something else, whatever. And he just got, he got so dejected and he said, Lord, what's going on? Because he was a minister, especially the enemy will come after the things closest to you. And your wife has always got a bullseye on her. Well, we cover you if we're doing things properly in prayer. And he just got discouraged. He said, Lord, what's going on? Why, why can't, why haven't I been able to cover? He loves his wife so much. Why, why, haven't I, why can't I cover her? What is, why, can't, why isn't she being protected? He said, you know how we've been talking about all the, it seems like the warfare is intensified and things are getting crazy. And it's because we're winning. That's why I say we're winning. But he said, why? Why can't I protect her? What's happening? He says, it's not unusual for the enemy to continue trying, to continue his attacks, and to even ramp it up because he knows his time is short, is what the Bible says. So he's stomping his feet and doing his worst. What's not normal and should never be normal, is for it to become normal to us. The Christian should never accept it as the norm. The next thing is the, the helmet of salvation. Those who walk after the Spirit belong to God. You see? You're in the Spirit if you've been saved, but it's a choice to walk after the Spirit. What's that mean? Walk out, he's in the Spirit, he's out of the Spirit, he's in the flesh. Well, it just means you have a choice. You're going to be carnal or sinful or agree with the devil and open doors for him to come in and attack you. Or you're going to walk in agreement with God and the promises of God and the provision of God and the Word of God and Jesus. That's walking after the Spirit. You have to know that you belong to God. That you're His chosen. You're a child of God. And then Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, you know, the point is this doesn't just happen automatically though. God makes all of His armor, His armor available to you, but you have to put it on. It says you have to put it on. There's some things you have to do as a Christian. It's a choice. He's not going to force you. He's not looking for robots. He's looking for a family that chose Him for Him. You know, if you have kids of your own, you can, you can provide them with all the necessary tools for life, the information for life, the wisdom that you have learned, the things to do right, and how to get it just like they really need it to be. And it's up to them, though. The old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. How frustrating that is for the Christian, too, because 
when you really come to know the Lord, it's like, oh man, I can remember almost 13 years ago when I was like, oh, I thought I was a Christian. I wasn't. I was on my way to hell. Wait till everybody hears about this. Oh, man. And then they didn't. And then I got involved with some groups that were so religious. Oh, awesome. And they were going to make me somebody important. Which is what I'd always sought after in the world. I thought it was a good thing. Only natural. I've always been successful in the world. I should just be successful in this too. Of course, I'm being good at it. The Lord had some things to teach me about that. Big new church, office with my name on it, theater, preaching to 30 churches all over. Opportunities, there's dropping hints, calling me bishop. Oh, I mean, pastor. You're going to be the head of the television ministry, all these great things, and making commercials where, you know, yeah. Sitting there, I'm like, Lord, this is not right. Everything I learned, I had to go and run to the throne, and he would tell me the truth. And I'm like, am I being used from inside? Must be I'm I'm an internal plant for the Lord, and he's going to fix all this with me. Nope. Wasn't happening. I was getting discouraged. One day, he said, son, now are you ready? Take up your identity and me alone. You trust me? Yes, sir. Get your stuff and get out of here. Went into my three-year desert phase like Paul when he went into Arabia after after he was on... Y'all see that thing I put on uh, Facebook the other day? I want to be like Saul on the road to Damascus. But I can remember, Sister Ann, I look at those blankets back there and I, you tell me about that street ministry, I have a passion for that because I was just going to, I would go to prisons and I go to a nursing home, I go, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I remember I would tell Tavana, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I'll, you know, you kind of get this identity crisis. You've lost everyone from the world. You lost all the religious folks that you thought were your new thing. And then God said, no, that's not it. None of that. And that's it. And he would spend 16, 18, 20 hours a day pouring into me. Pouring into me. Translating this into my heart. Building the relationship. And I would... I didn't know what to do sometimes. We didn't have any money anymore. Which we used to have a lot of. And then I didn't have the the title or the the, the things. And I... I went to the dollar store with the little money we had. We were living off $30 a week sometimes. Dividing that between gas and a jar of peanut butter. And I would go down and I'd buy a bag of the brown paper bags. Some lunch bags. And some of the toiletries from the dollar store. The kind that aren't very good. Nobody really likes to get them. They see the brands and they're like... Little cheap toothbrushes, stuff like that. I had some my Jesus loves you cards. I'd put everything that I could come up with that week that would help somebody in need 
into that little brown bag and I'd fold it over and I'd staple my Jesus Loves You card to the top and I'd fill up as many of those as bags I had and fill up the whole back seat of my car with them. And I would just tell Tavana, pray for me and I don't know what God has in store, but I'm going to go see. And I would go and just try to find a place to be useful. And I had to go down all the way. The way up is down. The kingdom of God. But then they had one offensive, two offensive weapons, but one offensive weapon that the soldier had was the sword of the spirit. All those other weapons are defensive, you see. I remember when I was learning the martial arts, most of the stuff was defensive. <clears throat> but the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life. We're fighting against death in all its various forms. A defeated foe who doesn't want you to know that. He has no ability to harm anyone. You know who's done the harming? People. That the enemy has convinced to do some creating for Him. We're created beings like our Father. Our words. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus and it describes Him as having a double-edged sword coming out of His mouth. That's His tongue, you see? That's the Word of God. Every time when He came out of the desert after 40 days of fasting and praying and being hungry and attacked by the the devil came at him, tempting him, trying to, and every time he responded with the word of God from the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. And he defeated the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Promise. That's a promise from God, not from will. say, well, there's not victory in every area. Come on. I mean, you're just not being... Okay. There you go. That's the problem. Provision has been made for victory for every area of our lives. We're not going to be 100% successful, maybe, in this life. But darn, don't you want to die trying? Don't you want to die believing? Don't you want to stand before Jesus and have Him say, Man, they sure complain about you talking about me a lot. You won't have to apologize for that one. Why is the Word of God so effective? Why is it the only spiritual weapon of attack? You notice there's, no, there's nothing provided for our back. Only the front of the soldiers protected. Fear is a liar. Fear is your enemy. Fear 
will allow an open door for the enemy to attack you and to kill you. Death has lots of various forms and levels and degrees, you see. Sickness, poverty, strife, divorce, all parts of death. So effective because it's the word of God himself. You have been given great authority as God's child, as his representative in the earth, to wield that sword in love and in faith. Without those things, you can, you can do all the wonderful things that you think are godly and good, and if it's not motivated by love, it profits you nothing. So remember that. Remember that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The Word of God supersedes all authority in the earth. The authority of the church, the authority of all reason, of all intellect, of even Satan himself. And so it is a very useful tool. Our covenant rights, our inheritance as children of God, which is everything that Jesus provided for through the atonement on the cross, is all activated by faith in the blood and in the name of Jesus. I'm just going to stop here. Father, thank you for your love and thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the word that you chose to share today. I trust you, Lord, and I know that your word will not return void. So this is the message that you wanted to give today. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what I plan. I pray that you will always override and let me hear your voice and know that it's you, Lord, so that I'll quickly agree with you and do what you have said. So I pray that you have ministered healing and empowerment, love and prosperity to your children and to all those who would hear this message now and in the future. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that our names are written in the book of life. Thank you for all of your armor. We choose to put it on when we forget or struggle in the knowing how to get it all done. Show us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us to walk in your strength, in your victory, Lord Jesus. In your power. In Jesus' name, amen.